The Athletic. Good morning. Welcome to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. It's Monday the 24th of July. I'm Tim Spears and today we're asking... Is Mauricio Pochettino starting to work his magic at Chelsea? He seems pretty pleased with what he's seeing and I think most Chelsea fans are as well. Is Bruno Fernandes the right choice to be Manchester United's new captain? Bruno Fernandes says he won't change how he plays. Performing on the edge is how he is at his best. And is Messi mania taking over Miami? I think that just speaks to the celebrity of Leo Messi and I think the excitement of everyone to get a chance to see him play live in the United States. This is the Daily Football Briefing with Tim Spears. Chelsea continued their pre-season preparations with a 4-3 win over Brighton in Philadelphia at the weekend. New manager Mauricio Pochettino waxed lyrical about his players after the game, including new striker Nicholas Jackson, who was on the score sheet, and young defender Levi Colwell, who the Chelsea boss stated could be one of the best centre-backs in England. But with plenty of work still to do to fine-tune their squad, including attempting to sign Brighton midfielder Moises Caicedo, who didn't feature in the match, is Pochettino's optimism justified? To find out more about how the Blues are shaping up ahead of the new season, I'm joined by The Athletic's Chelsea correspondent, Liam Toomey, who's out in the States following the team. Liam, obviously it's early days, we're not proclaiming Chelsea as title contenders just yet, but Pochettino seemed optimistic with what he saw. So can Chelsea fans dare to get excited ahead of the new campaign? Well, I think they are, from what I can gather. I think those who watched the game and have seen the highlights from Chelsea's first two pre-season matches are already seeing a real difference. Admittedly, there's a very low bar to clear based on the kind of attacking football that Chelsea fans have had to put up with watching for most of the last two years. And I think that's been the main thing that's really come through is Chelsea are playing with a lot more dynamism in the final third. There's a lot of one-touch passing, a lot of incisive movement, a lot more risk-taking, and they've been creating chances. And when they've been creating chances, they've actually been taking them. There was a feeling from January onwards that Chelsea were assembling a lot of talent in this squad, but it was quite incoherent. But Pochettino has made an impact in three short weeks, really. He seems pretty pleased with what he's seeing, and I think most Chelsea fans are as well. You wrote in a piece at the weekend that Chelsea showed a fierce intensity rarely seen in the past 12 months. So which players reflect that and who's impressed so far? I think, honestly, from front to back, it's been the energy levels. This has been, by everyone's accounts at Chelsea, the most gruelling pre-season that they've had since, I think, Antonio Conte was coach. And this is also a very young squad, so there is a lot of energy to harness if it can be done in the right way. And I I think that has come through in the first two pre-season games. It's particularly been summed up by someone like Conor Gallagher, who's tailor-made for the way Pochettino wants to play, really. He's he's full of energy as it is, but they've now got a structure around him to kind of match what he produces on a regular basis. Moises Caicedo didn't play for Brighton as he's not fit yet. Are Chelsea any closer to signing him and how's the rest of their summer business shaping up? Chelsea are lacking a little bit more polished star quality in midfield to go alongside Enzo Fernandez, who is being quite heavily managed given the amount of football that he's played over the last 12 months. So they need, if not Caicedo, then someone else of that bracket. It's hard to see who else that might be. 
but we don't get the impression that, that it's close. You know, Chelsea's last offer was £30 million short of what Brighton are looking for. They offered £70 million fixed. So the next week or so is a pretty decisive period of time for these negotiations because all of the key negotiators are in one place. So if they don't make progress, if Chelsea don't get nearer to where Brighton want, if Brighton don't soften their stance in any way, this starts to look a little bit perilous. And as good as Chelsea have been under Pochettino and and there is a sense of gathering momentum, I think even he knows this squad isn't complete yet and a midfielder of Caicedo's profile is the main thing that they're missing. Bruno Fernandes says he won't change his approach on the pitch after being named as Manchester United's new captain. The 28-year-old Portuguese midfielder has been appointed in place of Harry Maguire, who was stripped of the captaincy last week by manager Eric Ten Hag. Fernandes' attitude has been called into question at times, not least during United's 7-0 defeat to Liverpool last season, but he says he has the full backing of Ten Hag and that his relationship with Maguire, who offered his congratulations to Fernandes, was unaffected. So... Is Fernandez the right choice? I'm joined now by the Athletics Manchester United correspondent, Laurie Whitwell. Hi guys, Laurie Whitwell here, landed in San Diego from Newark this morning after Manchester United played Arsenal in New Jersey at the MetLife Stadium. And that was the first game that Bruno Fernandez wore the captain's armband after Ten Hag gave him the role on a permanent basis, taking it from Harry Maguire. And will he change from how he played last season, Fernandez? You know, a lot of the time he would be complaining to the referee. I think he'll still do that. Sometimes it, it seems to boil over, particularly in that Liverpool 7-0 defeat where it wasn't conducive to uh, United being able to get back into the game. You know, a lot of arms flapping and Gary Neville was critical of him for that. But Bruno Fernandes says he won't change how he plays. We spoke to him before the game and he thinks that performing on the edge is how he is at his best. And, and Ten Hag has seen that already in him and that's why he's given him the captain's armband, obviously for his tactical acumen as well as the fact that he's one of the best players. So he'll play all the time as well very rarely gets injured but I did think he actually was a little bit different in the uh, Arsenal game he was peacemaker certainly when Lisandro Martinez got into a bit of a a squabble with Gabriel Jesus and even when Eriksen Haag was having a go at the linesman for not giving uh, a particular decision Bruno Fernandes steps in and and kind of you know ushered a bit more calm so yeah maybe there's a bit of a tweak going on and it was interesting that Casemiro was the captain for the second half taking the armband rather than Harry Maguire so yeah not uh, a vice captain either it seems it can't be easy to be demoted from the role is his United future any clearer you think that to get regular football he's going to have to leave the club but then again is there a club out there that will pay the money that United want and also be able to afford his wages there's clearly going to have to be some kind of negotiation there because I don't think there'll be a team that is willing to go to the £190,000 a week that he's currently got at Manchester United that being said you know he, he clearly has relished playing for United and if he can, stay and, and, and fight for his place. And while we've got your lorry, is there any United takeover update you can give us? Avram Glazer was at the game at the MetLife Stadium. He's also been at training at Pingree School in New Jersey, which is where United were based for that section of the US tour. Um, and we managed to nab him, actually, after the game. He came through the area where journalists were waiting in the mix zone. Um, so we saw him and, and I managed to sort of chase after him a little bit and introduce myself and uh, ask him for an update on the takeover. And all he would say was that he was just here to enjoy the game. Uh, And then he declined to answer a follow-up question about the reported split between the siblings as to how to proceed on the sale process in terms of Joel and Avram wanting to stick around and and the other siblings uh, wanting to cash in their shares. So, yeah, it doesn't seem like there's going to be any further developments on that in the near future with Avram having such a presence around the place after also uh, 
attending the FA Cup final, the Carabao Cup final, the Women's FA Cup final. So it's an intriguing aspect to this all, his continued appearance around the club. You're listening to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. Lionel Messi's start to life with Inter Miami couldn't be going any better. The Argentine made his long-awaited first appearance on Friday night and it was a dream debut as the 36-year-old came off the bench to score a memorable 94th minute winner. Messi is clearly making a sizeable impact in Miami with the likes of LeBron James, Kim Kardashian and Serena Williams all in attendance to watch his debut. Our very own A-lister Paul Tenorio has been following every moment of Messi's Miami move and he joins us now. Paul, the 10 days leading up to his Miami debut have been described as crazy and a tremendous whirlwind. You're out there in the thick of it. Can you sum up the Messi madness for us? It really is a scene unlike many that you'll experience in Major League Soccer. And I think part of that should be chalked up to Miami and its community. It is kind of seen as the capital of Latin America in the United States. And on top of that, you have people who are flying in from all around the country to see Messi, the celebrity side of it. And it just creates this kind of star-studded event. It feels more like maybe a Miami Heat playoff game back in the day when Dwayne Wade and LeBron and Chris Bosh were playing or, or like a Lakers game in LA than it does a Major League Soccer game. And I think that just speaks to the celebrity of Leo Messi and I think the excitement of everyone to get a chance to see him play live in the United States. Apparently he's been turning up for training at 7am. Has Messi settled in well so far? It's true. Messi was the first to arrive at the training facility on his first day there. He got there at 7am and you know, the next day, more players showed up as early as Messi did. And that's the kind of impact you want to see from these players. They recognize the amount of work it takes to go to be the number one player in the world. And and so you have that side of things. I think the, the soccer part is going to be the easy part for Messi. The other side of it is what's it like in the locker room, right? Here you've dropped the most famous player in the world into the same team as players who have played college soccer, university soccer here in the United States. And that will be a little bit of the more difficult side to be able to connect to those people. But we're already seeing examples of it. I think the, the best anecdote is one of the players, Leo Campana. He, he's from South America as well. He was looking for tickets to Messi's unveil event in the team WhatsApp chat. And suddenly Leo Messi pops up and the team didn't even realize that Messi had been added to the group chat. And he says, hey, how many tickets do you need? And obviously, as you can imagine what it would be like to be an 18 or 19 year old kid in a in a team group chat. And all of a sudden you have Messi's phone number. And I think that that's kind of one of the more fun parts of this story. And what's next for Messi in Miami? When's he back in action? Inter-Miami plays again on Tuesday, and I'm intrigued to see what the atmosphere looks like in Game 2 versus Game 1. I don't know if the hype and the pomp will be the same. The other interesting part of this is how many minutes he'll play. He came in for 35, 40 minutes or so the other night, but it's just a few days turnaround. So a few storylines to keep an eye on on Tuesday night when Messi takes the field for a second time. Right, it's time for a look at what football's on the telly today. There are three games in the Women's World Cup. Argentina v Italy is the early kickoff at 7am Monday morning UK time or 2am Eastern time for any night owls in the US. That's followed by Germany v Morocco at 9.30am UK time or 4.30am Eastern time and then Brazil v Panama is at midday in the UK or 7am on the East Coast. That's all for today. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Tim Spears. Your producer was Jay Beale and executive producer was Ian McIntosh. I'll be back tomorrow, so make sure you subscribe. And if you've got the time, leave us a review and let us know what you think. See you tomorrow morning.
The Athletic.